Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we're going to be looking at how human beings can be connecting heaven and earth. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'll be your host, and this is Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey Curtis. He will be your other host, series editor of the New Century Edition. Thanks for hanging out. Oh, that was great fun. Well, we want so our theme, everybody and you, in case you haven't heard of it yet, is that we want to look at uh, our role in what some people call creation or existence or wow. everything, and and a positive vision of the future if we fulfill our potential. Wow, there's a potential there we haven't fulfilled. That's right. Okay. And this right. whole show hmm. is a follow-up from last week where uh, we had a show called How to Make Every Experience Spiritual. I was going on and on. This was a talk that I had given at a conference about near-death experiences and wisdom of the near-death experience symposium in Austin, Texas. And we, there, there was a lot of talk about how, how there's a meeting place of the spiritual and the physical in us. Yeah. But here right. we're going to explore that hmm. further to like, hey, what if we really nailed that physical spiritual meeting place what if we were the glue that held the whole thing together well how do we do that what does it look like mm. i mean that fe that feels like a, a subject important enough that if it were you know some kind of athletic feat we would stretch before we tried to do yes, it yes so right. why don't we stretch our conversation mm. muscles by doing our customary icebreaker this is an audience participation game so i will see you there If this is your first time, thanks so much. Um, I'm amazed that you're still here because you were probably looking for something else and yet you stuck around. What we do in this beginning part is we answer a question and you answer a question and we hear what your responses are and you hear what our responses are. So we can kind of get on the same wavelength and it's a chance for us to peer into the mind of, ever, of the, the web at large and see what, what do people think about stuff. And mm. how this works is you're in the chat on YouTube, you type your response in as we give ours and at the end of the show, we'll be cataloging all your responses, we'll read them all out and we'll get that much closer to each other. So this is a question that, that we're all gonna answer here today. It goes like this. When you reflect on it, are there ways that you realize God worked through you. Mm. This is a central, could there be something more central as a tenet of Swedenborg's worldview than that the divine is able to operate through us as a mechanism, that, that we are yeah. conduits for that. And yet how do you know when it's happening or when it has happened or no. something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I just know it's not happening right now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but how, yeah, exactly. And it's a strange, it can seem kind of like an alien, counterintuitive, unbelievable concept, but has it ever seemed pretty plausible based on how life has gone? Or when, when does it seem plausible? Well, uh, the main thing I guess that I would say is that uh, there have been times when I've given a talk or I'm in a counseling session or something like that. Okay. And this is kind of both. You're counseling me and giving a talk. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't Appreciate thought about it. that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's great. Sorry, continue. And uh, not necessarily in real time, sometimes in real time, but sometimes afterwards, just from the person's feedback, you realize, wow, they were really touched by something. Like, I guess I was in the zone, you know, at that particular time, the thing I said was the right thing to say or, yeah. or whatever. And then you, from the impact on the other person, you realize, oh, I, I think that worked. I can tell from the way that they're in. They got something more than yeah. I myself knew that I was passing on or something. Yeah, like right. I got you. If, for a very traceable example of that, on this channel, there is a videotape, whatever that's called now, of when I was giving a talk, it's called A Day Trip to the Afterlife. 
Uh-huh. And I was having that, that experience of what, while it was going, I was really feeling like, well, I'm, uh, there would be these video breaks, and during every one, I would go back and think, I'm not doing a very good job of this, you know? <laughs> um, but afterwards, people were like, oh, this, this thing touched me, that thing touched me. And you realize, no, there's something like, there's information getting through that I didn't get in the way of somehow. Yeah, you know? so right, exactly. That's well put. That's, yeah, and it's, it's interesting to me as I try to answer for myself, when is, do I feel like God is coming through? I always feel like something is coming through, or very tangibly, because, for example, um, writing, and this is, whether it's like writing music, uh, which I've dabbled in a bit, or even writing stuff for this program, uh, it very clearly feels like, oh, here's a fully formed idea, let's just write it down before ah, it escapes, rather than I right. piece it together from the existential building blocks. Like, especially if you've been thinking and thinking and thinking about something, and you're you're stuck or you don't yeah. know how to handle it and then you wake up first thing next morning and bing you know it's just the whole idea is right yeah that seems like god's in that somehow because why didn't you think of it the night before oh, absolutely or even just when i have a, a some little head story that i've been going round and round about and suddenly there's a new thought but the where it gets tricky is some there's a little hesitancy in me, in me to say well god wrote that through right because isn't that attaching right. this grandiose importance to it, but Swedenborg says that God is doing stuff immediately through heaven, through people, all the time. Anything good, actually. And in a kind of partnership. Yes. So you're still part of the equation. Yes. You can take some of the credit, some of the blame or something. Yes. But uh, Oh, that's a good right. point. So like, let's say I just suddenly busted into an amazing song right now. It was yeah. a beautiful song. It still wouldn't be saying... <laughs> I'm not going to try it. No. Um, it's, Man, it wouldn't be saying, like, that was God. But if it was, it would be like, this is God coming through a, a Curtis. So it's X percent tinted by how Curtis is. Right. And it would be different, <clears throat> quite different than if I burst into song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, that, so anyway, I feel like we kind of, like, rambled around that, that thicket that a little yeah, bit. I, I would love good. to hear what all of you think. There's certainly times when I feel like I wasn't, prepared for something but then it turned out better than i thought so it's, it's not a lot right. of a stretch to me to think oh yeah but but not like just me, like the god is constantly something an intelligence that's outside of our little um compositing mechanism is putting things together earlier on the assembly line and then we're getting that's it. right that feels i love to try to construct my life in such a way that i have little sort of dream catchers to catch those yeah. things when they come through uh-huh. you know like a way to record it or write it down or something like that because they'll just come at various times. True story. He has like a little handy recorder and I'll often pass him walking in the halls and he's saying something important. When I'm driving or whatever. That's right. Well, two hands on the wheel. Okay. Everyone looking forward to hearing your responses. Now that we've gotten warmed up, let's tackle our important question. Look at how can we turn on the power switch? So in last week's program, the How to Make Everything, Every Experience spiritual speech, there, there was some Swedenborg quoting and some talking done about us being a meeting place between spiritual and earthly life. You're talking about human beings. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. We, that right. we are that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw a metaphor at you, which is we can use the ener- uh, energy as a placeholder for life. So all energy that we interact with in, in the technology around us has to have some kind of power source. Yeah. Right? And Swedenborg says that like that, all life energy has God as kind of the, the power plant 
or mm -hmm. the, s the solar panels, if you yeah. will, that, that, that generate that, or really the sun behind the solar panels. We are built to access that life energy. This is, this is Last Judgment 25. Angels have also said that there is within every human an innermost or highest level of life, or an innermost and highest something, where the divine nature of the Lord flows in first and most intimately. Like a divine, or innermost and highest something. So we have some kind of line in there. I love the fact that he can't really define it. You know, yeah. he, he, uh, I could call it a level or what, a, it's just a something. It's something like this. Yeah. The angels called this innermost or highest something the Lord's gateway to us and his quintessential dwelling within us. Oh, that he actually dwells within us somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. so we have this connection and it's a, it's a something and it's tangible. Uh, and so to con continue with my energy metaphor. Oh, this most elegant of machines, a clip on a fan. Now, we have the same kind of potential that this fan has, believe it or not. So this thing, I promise, is actually plugged in to a power source, so it's accessing the power plant. So it goes all it. the way out to the grid that's and right. Niagara Falls or whatever. Yes, that's right. So we're all plugged in just like this fan, but it doesn't matter if you're plugged in. If you're not turned on, nothing's happening. There's mm. a potential energy here, but nothing comes of it unless this fan is crafted to perform. There's two things. One, it's got to be plugged in in the first place. Got to be plugged and, in. And then it's got, oh, three things. And then it's got to be turned on. But, but if this was a potato with an off-on switch and you click that thing on, it's got to be designed so that it can interface with this energy that's flowing through. Right. Right. Yes, it has to have the, the blade shape and then the protective thing and yeah. all, all that. It has to have the form sure. of a fan. It's got to have the, that's sort of the outer form that you're describing. Mm. But there's also this inner stuff. There's everything that's in here. Even if all this, these blades and everything were perfectly situated, mm. if the stuff in here, which I don't understand in the least, wasn't in the right order, the fan could not Yeah, if it was work. just fake, a fake fan that didn't have a motor in it yes. or no coil or no you know, anything like that. Is this, for safety's sake, a fake fan? No, it's real. And Ooh. only because you have the combination of the right form exteriorly, interiorly, and you're connected to the power source, can it work. So the outer form is aligned with a good inner mechanism which allows this function. Huh, and what it's making me think of is that um, if you just, like if you were a caveman or something yeah. like that, and you just came across this thing, you would have no idea what it was. Yeah. Right? You, you wouldn't know what it did or how to operate it. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that you, we need a certain knowledge to get that going. It has the potential, and you never know its potential to interact with electricity. It has this amazing potential, but you have to have everything in working order. Yes. So we you have so to have a whole grid to make that happen. That's right. So there's a lesson on potential, and this same principle Swedenborg says applies to the whole natural world. This is from Heaven and Hell. 112, the Lord's kingdom is a kingdom of purposes. Okay, here we go. Here's some terminology for you. Yeah. The Lord's kingdom is a kingdom of purposes that are functions, or which amounts to the same thing, of functions that are purposes. Huh. What is, so what is that? I mean, purposes and functions seem like somewhat different things. Sure. A purpose would be that you have the intent to have something happen. Yeah. But the function might be that thing actually happening. And yet he says they're really the same Thing. Like yes. your purpose is that that thing happens, that that function occurs. Interesting that the Lord's kingdom 
is a king. That's what's important is these functions. That's what for yeah, this reason the universe it. has been so created and formed by the divine that functions can clothe themselves in materials that enable them to present themselves in act or in results. First in heaven, oh. then in this world, and so step by step all the way to the lowest things in nature. There's a lot in there that's striking, but one is that you have materials in heaven. Yeah. Like, first of all, you've got this purpose. Yeah. Then it gets wrapped in a material, but that's still in the spiritual world. Then it comes down here into this world and gets wrapped in material, all the way to those lowest things, like just the, the chemicals, the atoms, whatever, on the outside of nature. The soul or core of it being this function, that, this thing that, that's doing. And that perp the purpose that something happened, that is going to yeah. do something. We can see from this that the correspondence of natural phenomena with spiritual ones, or of the world with heaven, takes place through functions, and that the functions are what unite them. Wow. So functions actually unite the physical world with the spiritual world, he's saying. Yeah. That's the basis of the correspondence, not by shape. Yes. It's by function. So in order to really get correspondences, we got to start thinking in terms of functions. Let's do this and see if we can't do it throughout all the different levels of the physical okay. world. And let's start Degree of with difficulty. Let's some try. animals. All right, here we go. We are familiar. Hey, look at that. There's a bird, right? There's like a whole nature documentary going <laughs> on. Right? We're familiar with the form of animals. Every, you know, most two-year-olds can pick out these animals by their form. But really what you're looking at here is not first a form but a function. That these things are shaped like they are, they're, they're all performing functions. So this is a, the classic long-necked giraffe and its long neck is not just to be a long neck. The long right. neck is grabbing foliage, it's inaccessible. This thing is a workhorse throughout its life. The long legs are similarly there for, trans, for, for traversing large distances. All these things, the reason they, they look like they do, the, the, the thing that sets them in that direction is the thing that they do. The form follows the function. So even though it looks awesome, you know, I've, since I was a kid, I've loved the way yeah. that giraffes look, but still there's something more important than the way they look which is that it allows that animal to perform that function. Yeah. In the case of the rhino that I've got here, man, is he an embodiment of strength, or she. Yeah. You know, but there's so much musculature and weight, and then it's all concentrated in these powerful horns. Yeah. And uh, so it's set to do a very different thing. And that's, again, that horn is not there for decoration no. or something like that. It, it, it's made in such a way that all this power can be connected there and really do some damage that needs to be done. And so this is thinking about the, the function, we're thinking about not how they look, but first what they do. What they do. You think about what a giraffe does, and it's actually, nothing is actually doing things in isolation. There's a role within the larger ecosystem. Right. For example, you have uh, symbiotic relationships that happen in nature. You can see there's these oxpecker birds on oh, top right. of this giraffe right. here, one on a Cape buffalo there. You see the little red beaks there. Yeah, right. and so, so part of... You know, th all these animals have their, their, their mediums they have to navigate. This is shaped how their, their, uh, their wings are and, and how the, the hooves are and everything on the animals. But the when these two come together, there's new functions happening. Because this bird is eating parasites off of this big mammal. And that is, uh, this is both giving a food source to this bird and a cleaning service to the animal. So this ox 
pecker is not only getting food, it's changing the health of the giraffe population. So you think about this bird and mm. what does it do? What's its function? There's more than just the things it does for itself. For itself. There's the ripple effects of what That's it does. That's right. That's right. In this case, a very close partnership with an entirely different kind of creature. And it's, so you might think animals are the most with it and sentient. They're the ones who do things. But Swedenborg is, which is not a totally novel idea, but just constantly riffing on how everything is doing something. Uh -huh. Going going to the plant level of life. Uh, you know, we're, we're familiar with this. It's a sweet potato. Oh, sweet potato. But yam. Yeah. It, right. was, is that the same thing? I think so. Okay. Garnet, yeah, something. I don't <laughs> okay. know. But why is this? Why is this thing shaped like a sweet potato? It's because it's not first and foremost a sweet potato. This is a battery for a plant. This is a bunch right. of stored energy. It's not shaped that way so that you can tell what it is in the food store. That's right. It's shaped that way because I mean that's a benefit, but it's shaped that way because it was storing energy. The amount of energy it had to store yeah. shaped how big that was, yeah. what shape it is. That's right. The other stuff you find in the grocery store, the seed-bearing stuff like cucumbers and fruits, those things taste good and are like they are, so the seeds will get eaten right. and transported around. That's right. And a really tangible example is these little helicopter things. Um, you see they have this really extravagant, cool-looking shape, but the shape, mm. it, we all know the shape is a function. It makes them do that. Was that a good throw? It makes them fly. Yeah. And that that's the whole reason why this thing is big and long is to power that flight. But even that flight is not just flight for the sake of flight. We're transporting this seed so they can get farther away from the tree. So you you, you see the shape, first of all, but what it, the essence of it is, is the thing that it's trying to do. And you think about it, it's shaped like a wing before, you know, anybody made aircraft or anything yeah. like that. It's amazing that it's shaped that way and it spins around and the seed acts as a weight and then it whirls around in the air yeah. and can land far away from where the original tree is yeah. and spread the species. And those are all like the what the functions, but the purpose is the tree species. That's right. And what it's doing. The tree has an intent that says, hey, I want to keep this thing going. That's right. Right. So the the way flowers are, I mean, you have the arrangement of a flower is to make it accessible to certain pollinators or broadly accessible by yeah, pollinators. Yeah, so this one's very wide this, over there. This one is, one is suited is. to a particular, maybe even one species in some cases that has a long enough bill and beak. Yeah, to get in a long, narrow because so the form of this flower is a is a doing form. It looks cool, but it's really about what it's doing, even down to the mineral kingdom, as they used to call it. You have this awesome piece of non-biological material. This is a conch shell. But even you look at just like it looks like it was just some artist dreamed it up. Yeah, the right. smooth inside Beautiful. has a function of of uh, housing a soft-bodied organism. This was something that was made by an organism to act in concert with it. The, the end result of this is a bunch, is a happy conch population and then the effects they have on the ecosystem and the effects they yeah, have on Yeah, protecting the and allowing that growth so it gets larger and larger and the conch yeah. goes around. And on the outside, it's as rough as coral. Yeah. Inside, so smooth. Even, even rocky stuff that never, was never built by an animal. For example, bedrock layers, they are mm. shaped like they are in part because of all all of the pressure they've had to endure over their life, whether that's getting what is it, subducted under the yes, continental right. plates, or whether it's just the weight of all the glaciers on top of them. They're holding the rest of the, the world up, and so this this is what the, those processes are why they're shaped like they are. So think about the function function 
We've given you plenty of examples of this is the mm. function is what matters. That's all this stuff, and that's what that stuff is doing. But the question is then, what are we doing? Like right now, this this show. No, I, I think right now we're pretty obviously ruining a show. Uh, yes, but right. what but we're wondering is what we're talking about what human being like what that's role. Right. Hum how would you if you if you had a human to put here like yeah. what 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 role is that human that's play? right so um because we, obviously we can have the same kind of biological ripple effects and even much more because yes, of technology and everything that's right but we have this additional function that we are meant to function as the link between the physical and spiritual worlds that's really? supposed to be our primary wow. impact and mm. we, so we that's big we as people can be plugged in and we have we have our form just by being born human like like this fan but two things have to happen to get our system to work properly to turn the fan of the humankind on that's right okay. so to get there there's two things we have to do and we've done uh, naturally something this important we've done shows about it we had a show about repentance what's repentance by the way Okay, repentance would be sort of self-examination, seeing problems in yourself, or your behaviors, whatever, yeah. or even in your intent, mm -hmm. you know, crazy thoughts and so on, laying that stuff aside and learning to live a new life. Yes. And praying for some help. And then we did another show about regeneration. So what's regeneration? Yeah. Right. That's really where the result of the repentance process, that love starts to take over yeah. in your life, like you've moved enough junk out of the way. Yeah. That you become love. That's that's fan repair. Like like th that is analogous to opening this thing up, pulling out the intervening uh -huh. cobwebs or whatever's going on in there. Yes, whatever's broken or bad in there, or even wired the wrong way around so that it doesn't work or something. That's right. So that's right. What's in us that needs to get pulled out for, in order for us to work? So even though even if you got this set. Right. You've got everything is a beautiful machine here, and, and you no, know it's all set. It's unless all you click this little switch back here, nothing ah, can ever happen. Cool. So how do you turn on the power switch in human yeah. beings? That happens what through that? taking action, ah. and this is heaven and hell. One twelve. We're back in that same number. As for us, though, our acts, our services, informs to the extent that we live according to the divine design. That is in love for the Lord and thoughtfulness toward our neighbor. So that's a choice. Like we can not be in love for the Lord yeah. and thoughtfulness toward our neighbor. But if we make that choice, then we're in the divine design. To that extent, our acts are correspondences that unite us to heaven. Our acts, so our actions would actually be correspondences that unite us to heaven, okay? You can't make this stuff up. No. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> something we're doing. In general terms, loving the Lord and our neighbor is being of service. And we know that love of the mm. Lord, love of the neighbor, this means love, yeah, kindness, compassion, all that sort of stuff. That here it's mechanical. The fixing of this is mechanical. The fixing right. of us is moral. And it takes a while. Yeah. That's right. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. so mm. it takes a while and it's a lot of work, but it's certainly worth it because if we can get like this, this thing, you get it plugged in and fixed and working and it's a fan, right? It, it, That's right. It blows air. We're set up to do something a whole lot cooler and we're going to look at it in part three. So what is the potential? What's our ceiling and what's the reward for, for living up to what we're supposed mm. to be doing? We did a show a little while ago that was about 
the law of attraction. It was asking, oh, right. is the law of attraction, as it's sort of known in pop culture, this think about what you want and you'll get it, is that real? Oh, hey, there's a helicopter here. Does that really work? And one, we, you can watch the show if you want to see our whole take on it based on Swedenborg, but one of the things that we said in there is that Swedenborg doesn't guarantee that if you start living spiritual or you get your spiritual fan fixed up, that that's going to guarantee that your outer life goes smoothly. Yeah, certainly not every minute of every day. <laughs> like, yeah. it can be very bumpy to take that road. It might or might not. However, um, our inner perspective will get better, and so we can better handle things that go wrong. That's right. And when you get into the afterlife, according to Swedenborg, this stuff becomes very tangible, and all the progress you've made there is oh, 10 times yes. on investment. Yes, you talked about bringing heaven on earth in your talk last week that... that uh, by bringing that, it seems like you have to go from the inner self into the yeah. outer self, and then that brings the outer self into a more heavenly condition. So you're cycling back and forth in order to get in that better state. Yeah, and so this is all the kind of boring, like, okay, life is always going to be hard. Even if we work hard on spiritual stuff, it will, you won't get a new car. But, ah, but. but Swedenborg mm. does talk about a future in which enough people have done that on a massive scale that we really do enhance the quality of life on earth through this heavenly love. Wow. And it all starts... Okay, what would that look like? Yeah. It looks a little bit like the human brain. Well, Swedenborg says that human brains were designed as specialized spiritual, physical meeting places. Oh, so, weird. So, so, they're actually, so they're they're physical substance, obviously. Yeah. But they carry these chemical signals or whatever, and and there's actually a place where the spiritual can meet the physical right in the human brain. And people often say, don't they, scientists say that it's the most complex thing in the universe? Yeah. Like, like there's nothing that is known by yeah. science that's more complex. Mine is not, but some people. This is, see, so Swedenborg talks a little bit more about this in Secrets of Heaven. Unbelievably tangled. Like, wouldn't that be complex? <laughs> Only through humankind is there a descent from the heavens into the world and an ascent from the world to the heavens. So what is that? What's that? Wow. Blue part? Yeah. Well, what that makes me think is that descent from the heavens into the world would be like, oh, that sort of spiritual sunlight from God that's radiating down all the time that shines yeah. on us and on the rest of nature and, and everything. So there's that descent from heavens into the world. But the ascent, the other side of it, is that we human beings are in a kind of unique situation to be able to consciously choose to connect with God, to cooperate, to know God, you know, right. th those, those kind of things. And so through that, yeah, we can close the loop. The brain and its inner depths provide the means of descent and ascent because they contain the actual rudiments or starting and ending points from which absolutely everything in the body stems and flows. Wow, so he even gets, he's so bold as to say there's a specific part of the human body yeah. where this connects. They're also the source of the thoughts in our intellect and the emotions in our will. And it's interesting because Swedenborg is, goes on and on about how the spiritual world, the spiritual world is what affects your thoughts and feelings. Yes. But he's not kicking the brain out. That somehow no, the two are right. so intimately united it that goes, it's this composite. Yeah, 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 that's right. So if mm. we, so there you have this incredible potential in the human brain. And if we were all collectively in the divine design or in divine order, Swedenborg says that this could actually maybe even change our brains and change the way we sense the world 
around us. And I hadn't what, heard this until we got this number for the show. This is Secrets of Heaven. A little bizarre. 3702. Prove it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Will you, do you take Swedenborg quotes? Evidence that we were created <laughs> yes, to play this role is the fact that our body is a microcosm, since every secret thing in the world of nature is stored in it. Hmm. Anything hidden in the ether or modified forms of the ether is stored in the eye. Anything hidden in the air is stored in the, stored in the ear. What, is that, what does that mean? Okay, I think what he's talking about is they believe that ether was this medium through which light traveled. Okay. So any, we could say, any characteristic of light, Yeah. Uh, like if you could study the eye and you didn't know what light was, you'd get some idea because it's totally engineered to receive light. Okay. Like sometimes it's brighter, sometimes less bright, you focus, yeah. you can see at a distance, all these R Refraction things. in the lens or whatever. Right, right, and sound in the ear the, sa the same type of way that that the because these organs receive signals from those media they're like totally set up to receive that i think that's what he's so talking. whatever and he, he's going on to, to list more organs whatever okay. invisible elements float and stir in the air are stored and sensed in the organ of smell okay. and those in water or any other liquid in the organ of taste okay the actual changes in the state of those organs are stored away throughout the organs in the sense of touch huh Entities that lie still more deeply hidden would be perceived by our inner organs if our lives were in order. Whoa, now wait a minute. So that's, that's, the, that's the money line right there, right? Yes. Entities that lie still more deeply hidden would be perceived by our inner organs if our lives were in order. You could perceive things we don't, like our perception would increase? Let's see if he gives us more hints okay. here. I yeah. don't think he does. Clearly then, what is divine would come down through us into the last plane of nature and would go back up from there to divinity, if with faith in our heart or with love, we would only acknowledge the Lord as our first and final goal. There was definitely a hint in there that it would yeah. actually affect your ability to sense. Now, I don't know if that means that your, your, your sight and hearing or something would actually improve? Yeah, like would it be like a turtle on a reef uh, that, you know, there's these ultraviolet colors oh, in there. Oh, right. Mantis shrimp can, shrimp can see 25 times more the colors than us. Can't or Is that, that what that it's talking thing. about? Like would you be able to unlock deeper, more subtle physical things? The or is it nine sense of smell or... Yeah, or is it more something more spiritual, like a category we don't have yet? Yes, like a, like people who can see auras or, or, or... And obviously he's talking about even beyond what we've ever experienced, it seems like, that if we got our act together, we would be uh, sensing in a way that we can, can hardly imagine. I mean, that's sort of amazing. It's interesting you say get our act together. And that for Swedenborg, there was this moral component to getting our act together. There's a yes. lot of people talking about trying to improve human sensory experiences sure. or, or through technology, but then even through inner practice. Put a, put a chip in your brain yeah. or meditation or yeah. what, what, whatever it might be. Yeah, but Swedenborg right. is, is, is one of a few, if any, that are saying the only way to unlock this stuff, to get the system to work better, is through this morality, through love of the, your fellow human beings. That's, that's, that's the order mm. that we're meant to be in. Wow. So there is a purpose to creation, as Swedenborg says. It's God wanting to fully unite with all of us, but not only all of us, with nature as a whole. This is Divine Love 170. The grand purpose, or the purpose of all elements of creation, is an eternal union of the Creator with the created universe. This does not happen unless there are subjects in which His divinity can be at home, so to speak subjects in which it can dwell 
and abide. For these subjects to be his dwellings and homes, they must be receptive of his love and wisdom, apparently of their own accord. We are those subjects. Ah, it's talking about human beings. All right. People who can raise themselves and unite with apparent autonomy. Mm. So there is a divinity in everything, but everything is this created system, but we are supposed to create the final linkage that really gets everything humming. Yeah, and just like those birds that are working with the rhino or the giraffe or something, it suggests that we can be in a symbiotic relationship with nature yeah. of some kind uh, where we're helping it, it's helping us. Yeah, because right now, um, conservation efforts with, with the human race, we're just trying to mitigate our impact pretty much. Like right. stop us from destroying stop ecosystems. Destroying quite so rapidly. That's right. <laughs> Replace things we've messed up. But there's right. this potential that Swedenborg describes of us actually making this system better than it was without us. There's a particular way that divine power is supposed to be channeled into this earthly world through human beings. This is Secrets of Heaven 3702. You're blowing my mind, but keep going. <laughs> Humankind was created, you're very kind to say that, he was created so that the Lord's divine qualities could descend through us right to the last level of nature mm. and climb from the last level of nature up to him. In this way, humankind would be an intermediary, uniting divine with the world of nature, divinity with the world of nature, and the world of nature with divinity. Through humankind as the uniting medium, the very last plane of nature would be alive with divinity. Like even gravel or something. Like, I, do, like the I don't very know. The outermost layer. Yeah. The, the chemicals, the, the atoms, the relatively inert substances or something this would be alive with divinity if we were in the right state. If we actually lived according if, to the if, divine plan. If our fan was the right shape and we had the right motor yes. or something. Well, so, so that's, that's, um, mm. that's two questions for me. So yeah, what does it mean to be alive with divinity? And yes, what, right. you know, are you there? Of course, everything is connected, but I guess it's not as connected as it could be. As it could be. Right. Yes, because if we're a point of connection and if we're somewhat messed up and i'll just speak for myself here but and i'll you speak know, for you I mean, as well thank you uh but you know we can be sort of a blockage more of a cloud than a, a ray of light or something so that's right so mm -hmm. um so great uh, so and how's that last sentence oh I, I i read it sort of in the middle of that Good. but i can read it oh, again did you? Oh, this I'm would sorry. actually happen if no that's fine i mean <laughs> would actually happen if we lived according to divine flame that gets, wow. I was like, if how do we, we get us back big again? So if we lived according to the divine plan, which implies, I mean, that's a contrary to fact statement if I know my linguistics correctly. In other words, we're not doing that now. Oh, but yeah. if we did, that would happen. That God would be able to connect all the way down to that outermost level. Yeah. And he can sort of connect with it now, but not as much as if we were in a different better state or something right this is an interesting middle ground here or third way because in my experience the viewpoints on humanity from a religious or spiritual kind of perspective have these two poles one is this human beings were created to exploit nature as much as we wanted right you see this nature belongs to us we can do what we want with it it's there for us this is we're supposed to rule over it, and, you know, as Genesis, you know. So you mentioned Genesis. Stuff, that's yeah. that's often something 
in certain Christian traditions, they will say, look, this religion justifies us just doing whatever we want. Don't worry about the complexity or the fragility or the seeming or running destruction. Out of, you know, oil or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just go, go for it. Just do it. Um, and then the other hand, though, you'll get uh, people saying human beings are this cancer on the planet. And that if we were gone, that nature is this thing that's whole and beautiful by itself. And if people were just out of the picture, everything would be okay. And at some point, the giant shoulder of the earth is just going to shake us off or something right. like that uh, because we're doing so much damage to that whole living organism of Gaia or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. those are kind of extreme views on one side yeah. or the other. But Swedenborg has this, this middle way, which is that human beings are here and they're definitely going to have an impact, but we can actually be improving the system, somehow bringing not just controlling and making sure we live in balance so that we don't destroy nature. Obviously, right. you got to do that. But we could actually be bringing... Beyond that. It could be that, that the sum total of us plus nature is better than what we would be by ourselves or what nature would be there, by there's itself. There's some sort of value added that could be happening even with the plants and the minerals and so on yeah. that isn't happening because we're not totally in tune with the plant. In fact, we're going pretty hard and fast the other way. That's uh, right. Yeah. Well, and so, so this, it, it's sitting in the fan. Like the potential for us to be that is we're there. We just got to make sure the system is repaired and that we flick the switch on. And if we do, there can be these amazing results. <laughs> that was I think those are too heavy. Okay, so the point so is something awesome is, right. is something awesome is going to happen, and it's even that, better no. than a couple. No, we just thought of it right after the first run through. Um, <laughs> that there would be some something amazing that that shoots the whole of the created universe out to the stars. So what it's suggesting is that the human race might be comparatively like this fan before it's ever been turned on. Yeah. There might be an on switch on the human race I know. that we haven't even found yet Yeah. that would turn us, make us much more valuable. I mean, this, this fan is cute, yeah. but when it's doing its fan thing, its, its value goes up. If you think about, um, I sort of think about it like you've got a nice high-end laptop or a tablet, and you're okay. using it to prop the door open. Like it'll do that. Like what, that's how humanity is right now. We can get something done, but don't. If you no, if you just open it up, turn this thing on here, connect to Wi-Fi, you've got the whole world at your fingertips. Yeah, that kind of potential right. in all of us. Like we haven't even realized. Oh, this is a laptop. Yeah. There's an internet. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't even know about that. So excited to think about what that could possibly. Be. All right. So, and what would that look like? I mean, I yeah. don't even, you know, I don't know what that means. I, I have no idea. But if any of you do, please provide the answers in the question and answer period, which <laughs> yes. is coming up now. Or if you have Our questions, questions, your answers. Yeah, please. yeah. yeah please. Just, just like answer it. Ask a question in the form of an answer, yes. and then we'll get it from you. Live Q and A coming up next. Thanks, everyone. I heard you like the confetti. I mean, not just anyone can do stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> on but live TV. Yeah, speaking of doing cool stuff on live TV, um, let's see if we can't get some questions from you, our audience. If you're in the chat room, just type them in right now. We'll take a few as they come in. Let's get to our first question. Jennifer 
Childress asks, is the veil thinning like I have heard? Are we closer? Was it that 400 years ago, you just didn't have enough voltage to turn this thing on or that there weren't the right repair shops? Is it getting to now that fans are, I don't know how far to take this metaphor, but is the veil thinning, Jonathan Rose? What do you think? Yeah, I, I personally think so. Yeah. I think it is. I think more people are having uh, experiences and so on. I think that we're realizing what's possible. Like I think I hear more that, oh yeah, everybody has this potential kind of thing Yeah, that we didn't realize we had. And uh, Swedenborg certainly takes the idea of the New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven at the end of the book of Revelation yeah. to mean that heaven, because he sa it says it's like, uh, it's great and high, you know, it's, it's way up in heaven and that that's going to come down to earth, that that will mean heaven and earth are closer together. That's as, as the, the Lord's Prayer says, you know, as yeah. in heaven, so upon the earth, or however you say it. And, and uh, so I do think we're going in that, that direction, and that's, that's supposed to be part of what's unfolding here. Didn't Swedenborg say in 1757, the last judgment happened? That's right. So this was, um, if you're not familiar, we've done shows about it. This was this major freeing up that happened in the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. He does say that our thoughts and feelings are influenced and limited by what's going on in the spiritual world. And that there was this major cleaning out that happened in 1757. Right. And that he said it's not going to have an immediate impact. But that will, as time moves forward, lead to this better connection between heaven and, and people. And so it, could it be that we're really starting to see that? From a Swedenborgian perspective, we're starting to see that kick in. Mm. And there's this prediction in Isaiah chapter 30 that talks about that the moon will be like the light of the sun and the sun will be like the light of seven suns in the day that he binds up the breach of the people. Yeah. Um, so that's a very, again, like the rest of this show, a very positive view, almost mind-boggling of, of what's possible. And I think the thinning of the veil. Um, Swedenborg says that in most ancient times, people lived and he, in, in that work Other Planets that the New Century Edition just put out. Download He's got a beautiful passage, I think it's number 135 in there, I'm not sure, that says that we were created where when your loved one passed away, you would still see them on the other side. Yeah. You know, you would be totally connected and it wouldn't be this cutoff that we've got going on now. So I think the veil thinning, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm, Certainly hopeful and believe that that's what's happening. Very good. Thanks so much for the question. Let's get to our next entry. Zeke asks, is there money in the spirit world? How do you get things? Depends on what neighborhood you're in. I know Swedenborg talks about people in heaven being clothed, what, gratis? Is that how you say That's it? right. Housed, gratis. <laughs> right. That the necessity, what we consider the necessity of, necessities of life are provided freely there. That's right. And yet he also says a, a number of times that there are businesses there. Yeah. He says there are trade. There's trade in commodities, in precious stones. Yeah. And things like this. And that that has correspondence to truth and, and so on. So it's interesting. It's like you don't need it. Like what do you make in your business yeah. if all your meals and your housing and everything's taken care of your clothing like you don't yeah. need all that so he doesn't go into a lot of detail about how the economy works up there no he, uh, he does say though on the flip side that there's people in hell that if they won't do something useful 
They, they have to work to eat. They have to work to eat. That yep. you, even though spirits don't need to eat to survive, but you still need to There's eat. There's still a hunger or something. And so, yeah, yeah this, this, is a, this is sort of a civilizing effect on, on, on some, some people who can't yes. fit in somewhere else in the grand scheme. Well, or we, we talked about everything is a function. Everything is a function. The yeah. only way you can ever actually be sustainably happy as a human being is to be doing some function. And yeah. so if you're in a hellish state of mind and you're I'm not, I'm not going to do anything, you, ha you need that motivation because you'll, your life will get much worse if you're not doing anything. So that's why there would be this permission of, okay, well, you know, you got it. You got to, if you work, then you'll get your, because you can't be satisfied by loving the idea of the help you're doing fine. You can get food. You want food? Yes. Yeah. That's, we'll, that's we'll a way. That way. And Swedenborg also talks about experiences where he sees people who are obsessed with money. Yes. Which a lot of people who come from our world are and where they're allowed to go someplace and sort of fantasize and pretend they have more money than they do. It's almost like, you know, little kids or something. See, see our episode Eight Strange Places in the Afterlife, where we ah. have an animated rendition of the, nice. the people in the money counting house. So the, the, that doesn't yeah. seem to be a major, you know, like it, 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 it functions a little differently in the other world. But where things come from is they come from your service to others yeah from from love and understanding going out you know that's what determines the quality of the food that you're eating all, all kinds of things you know where yes. you live and the clothes you wear and stuff like that he says how do you get things what are things that in the spiritual world things are correspondences that the way right. that the the stuff around your dwelling looks is a reflection of the mind that you have yeah. so the, in, the, in a one other way the way to get things is to grow in love and wisdom and then those things become apparent. That's right. And the more you're involved in humble service and you don't need the big mansion or the, you know, yeah. whatever it is, the more you end up getting that. Yep. Because that humble service is really good. You know, so. Right. And that if you're, if you're doing something really important, you have this sort of dignity about what you're doing, which helps people respect the office. And, yeah. and even That's though right. you yourself uh, don't think you're any better than anybody else. Right. But you'll do it because it's what helps the cause. So, again, yes, a big, big, not a huge, thorough discussion of economics would be a fascinating one. That's right. And uh, one last point on that sure. is that he does describe, and he comes back to this a number of times, that heaven is a world of, of, of wealth, of mm -hmm. abundance, and hell is a place of poverty. You know, yeah. it, it, it's a place of, uh, of poverty, of... Um, like the place is unclean, you know, they're not yeah. nice, you don't have nice vegetation or what, you know, he does kind of describe it in those sort of economic terms. Sure, and that, that here, wealth and poverty don't follow morality at no. all. You can be a perfectly no. nice person and a good person and, and be in uh, degrading circumstances and you can be a total jerk and have a lot of stuff. Or you can be a good person and have money, be a horrible person and be in poverty. You know, it's, it's just not a one-to-one -one here. No, but, but there everything is a manifestation of what's inside you. So, even, But people in, again, we could talk about this forever, but people in hell wouldn't necessarily think they're poor. They would think, like, this is, this is the life you want. But right. seen from spiritually, you don't that's have right. any goodness and truth. You look, that, that's real spiritual poverty. Yeah, yeah that's let's, right. Let's do another question before we run out of time here. <clears throat> Katrina Marshall asks, did Swedenborg study the endocrine system? Mm. I would say yes. Uh, he studied all the systems. That was his day job before he yeah. became a revelator, right? That's right, right. And he published a couple of books 
Um, I don't remember specifics in there, but he certainly studied all the different systems of the body as far as they were known at that time and even came up with some things that people hadn't known. I just don't know exactly what the state of knowledge was about the endocrine system in the mid-18th century or something. But um, yeah, but uh, he was very, very interested in the in glands in general and uh, even identifying that the the cerebral cortex yeah. was glandular in nature and whatever. It just, yeah, yeah, and you, I, I don't know if I've ever, or you can come across a spiritual worldview that's more tied into the body yeah, that's and right. how it is. That <laughs> yeah. Everything goes back, right. read his journal of experiences, everything uh, goes back into the way the spiritual world interacts with the different parts of the body. The body is a map of heaven. The body is a map of the divine design. The body is of utmost, and, and again, not in form, like we were saying in this show, but in function. Like what right. the body does what it does is the shape of how habit. it processes fats yeah. or absorbs you know carbohydrates or whatever that's yeah, right that's right that's right okay good let's just say that one more time one two three that's right that's 847 right. we got our time for like another question oh, i great. would say let's take another one pace yourself asks did swedenborg ever say anything about the future of the planet or mankind on it so i mean he never talks about earth versus not earth like that the humanity could migrate or something he just talked about the future of the human race right and he says that the human race will never end he says that the yeah. world will not be destroyed so he's not into a rapture or some other you know like he doesn't take the the destruction of heaven and earth that's talked about in the bible in some places he says that's more that's to be read spiritually yeah uh there'll be no end to the reproduction or whatever the continuance of the of the human race and all that he certainly said uh it predicted beautiful things for the future yeah. be increase of love increase of presence of the lord uh greater knowledge of correspondences uh better love relationships between people you know yeah uh, some little things e even to the point where he says that if um our, our heredity we're born uh with uh loving ourselves more than god and the world more than our neighbor and therefore we are born into a kind of ignorance but if we were actually born loving god and loving the neighbor which he says could happen it could flip at some point to where kids are born loving god and loving their neighbor then by giving them a single piece of information they would come into all kinds of knowledge yeah. without any kind of need to you know, you could say two plus two equals four, and they could go, oh, yeah, calculus, right, right. They could get to the whole thing, yeah. um, which would be pretty cool. So there's some pretty sweeping, you know, he doesn't get into all the nitty-gritty details, but they're pretty sweeping positive um, predictions about the future of human race. And pace yourself, if you're interested, we did a show a long time ago, if you haven't seen it, called The Spiritual Future of the Human Race, where we go a little more into the new church, as which is what you're describing in and what that is. So, everyone, thanks very much for the questions. We like hanging out with the audience. We're going to hang out even more with you guys in part five. So, so we're saying that this live show is sort of an echo to the pre-recorded speech from Austin show we had last week. Well, when I was in Austin, a fan of our show offered to give me a ride while I was there. His name is Robert and I took him up on it and he got me some breakfast and it was really awesome. We had a good long hangout and we were in a park there 
And I thought, hey, could we do a little interview? Because, you know, we have these guest interviews on our show. So the good news is we got an interview with Robert here. The bad news is I just was on my little phone and it was windy. So at parts, this is quite windy. So in When Things Get Windy, pay attention to the subtitles because the meaning there is really cool. So this is what uh, Robert had to say about the show and the impact. Hey everybody, I'm here in Austin with Robert, who's a fan of the show, and I've got to hang out with him for a little while. It's been really fun getting to conversate, and I just want to ask if you'd be willing to share a little bit of your story. First of all, like, how did you find the Swedenborg thing in the first place? Okay, so I was, um, I had been researching uh, paranormal, just yeah. as a, a hobby, now that I'm retired, and I joined a Google Plus group that um, okay. is paranormal and I expressed my frustration um, in that G plus group about um, Christians I became really disillusioned with Christianity and I'd been serving volunteering in the church and everything I was um, saved a long time ago got baptized in the Baptist Church and um, a friend of mine on the Google plus group recommended Swedenborg uh -huh. So the first thing I did was... Um, Had you ever heard the name before she... No, no, yeah. I'd never heard of it. Okay. And I was surprised because I'd studied uh, older theologians yeah. in the 1800s. And um, a lot of the commentary that you get on your Bibles are from uh, Christians in the in the late 1800s, early 1900s. They're okay. not contemporary. Right. So it wasn't surprising to me that there was someone else that I hadn't heard of. But... As soon, the first thing I did was I watched one of your videos. Okay. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember which one it was? Let me think about it. Which one? It was. Um, I'm just always fascinated. Like, what, what was that very first experience? Like seeing the, the videos. And like, what, what's this? You know? Well, I, you know, I've, I've, I've paid you this compliment that I, I think you're such a great host, and so oh. it made it easy yeah. to watch. You know, and it was it was, it was fun to watch. And so <laughs> I forced him to say that. Yeah. <laughs> No, seriously, yeah. he's, he's a fantastic host. And so Thank you. Um, I, I remember that, um, and I'm always forgetting his name, the doctor that you're with. Dr. Jonathan Rose. Jo Dr. Rose. He was there, and I thought the, the way you two um, uh, bantered with each other yeah. and explained things, and you gave your perspective, and he gave his perspective, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And I think it was uh, on The Secrets of Heaven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you saw it, and what did you what did you think? You thought this is something interesting. Yeah, I thought it was something interesting, and I thought it was great. And of course, my being, I was a uh, police officer, a detective for a long time, so my antennas were up, and I wanted to make sure that this was a real thing. Yeah. And I kept watching, and then I would go to the next video, and the next video, and then I downloaded all the books and put them on my iPad. Nice. And started reading all of it, and I kept looking for something that contradicted with my Christian faith. Yeah, and and I just couldn't find anything. So even when you got into the books, you're reading them, you're still feeling like, no, this is good. This is good. I like it. This is yeah. good. Yeah. And and I remember the turning point specifically was on the Trinity, and the explanation about how that Swedenborg's view of, of what the Trinity is, because the traditional Christian view of it is kind of confusing. It's kind of uh -huh. like three guys, one guy, what yeah. you know. It's kind of confusing, and I remember that that was my turning point. That I was going to stick with Swedenborg from that point on. That's awesome. And so you you did stick with Swedenborg. So yes. what what what's why? Like was he doing something for? Like what what are you getting out of it that you're able to you know apply to life, make life better with? What do you sort of use it day to day? Um, gosh, there, there's there's just so much in Swedenborg that 
helps me with day-to-day -day problems. Yeah. Gives me answers. Gives me hope. Um, I'm not at all worried about Yeah. Uh, in fact, Swedenborg has made me anxious. read the Bible to me wow. and she and I would share a Coke and so that's why I have my love of Coke hey, today. You got a good association <laughs> with that. Yeah. yeah I've got a good association with it so I you know I'm a Coca-Cola-holic. Yeah. I have to say the whole thing. Yeah that's right. I'm not a Coke addict. I'm a yeah. Coca-Cola addict. Right. And uh, she read to me the Bible and I feel like she saved me you know. Yeah. She planted that seed in me and so I'm really excited to see her again. It's beautiful. That happens. Yeah. That's great. Well, I just really uh, appreciate getting to hear some of your story. And uh, I'm just glad to know that, that the Swedenborg thing is, is um, improving life and helping you connect with, with the stuff that's been important. And, and uh, I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time. Is there anything else you want to say? Gosh, there's so much I would say, but yeah. I, I, I just feel really blessed and lucky that you came to Austin. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm happy to be here. And thanks. He took me to this really good taco truck and I got to have like a Austin taco truck breakfast, which is awesome. Robert, so nice to meet you, and um, I hope that like Swedenborg continues to be a good tool for you on your on your journey. Yeah, Curtis, been blessed. Thanks so much. All right. It's time. Sorry, we were dancing to that music that uh, <laughs> goes in between. Thanks again to Robert. And a little Easter egg, if you guys didn't notice, was there was a f that building behind us is a fake <laughs> building. It's for firefighters to practice on. And as we were talking at the end, you can see them spraying it <laughs> with their hoses. Check it out. Watch it again. Corresponds yeah, to something. We have an icebreaker to get to, an ice melter. Uh -huh. In the beginning, remember? I don't know if you can, can think back that far, but we said, what do you guys think about the question? We were asked, here are the results that you all came up with. So remember, the question was as follows. Oh, the question we're pulling up right now. When you reflect on it, are there ways that you realize God worked through you? What did the people have to say? Well, they had to say the following slides. I really believe that soul comes in when truth and love is seeked in a regular basis. Mm. I think trying to overcome my dysfunctions is a way God is working through me to help my offspring by my example. Mm. Spiritual evolutions, they see me studying and search, searching and not settling for easy answers. Oh, there you go. So like our, what we, what, how we appear to others um, that, that we have influence over. I'm aware when God works through me because when that happens, whatever I'm doing comes out better than I'm actually capable of doing. That's right. Nice. Uh, every time one of my three kids were born. Nice. Every time I help people, like in New Orleans, we brought food and oatmeal to the homeless tent. People wanted God in the single-digit temps here and blankets and such. Yeah, yep. that's right. That's really tangible, isn't it? We are all the atoms that make up the celestial body. Nice. I know God has worked through me when I give people information they didn't need that I didn't know. It just somehow flows in. They need that I didn't know. It just somehow flows oh, in. Oh, so that's you just correct. have it when you need it. You didn't it. know it yourself, yeah. but you hear yourself saying it. Right. Whenever I do something good and feel peace and bliss, like helping someone. Yeah. I think when I work on some group projects at work and it seems that things fall in with what others are doing and it all fits together and works. Nice. God works through me when I am of service to others and forget about myself for a brief moment. That's great. I seem to be put in places at an exact right time to save children, even leaving late thinking I'll be late and needed to go and hear, no, wait, 
and yes, when in the zone or flow. Mm. Continuing, yes, I notice that God is working through me when I say something that not even I expected to say, and it surprises me, <laughs> and I feel that it was God. Like, Whoa. That's great. God works through me with humor. I like to paint landscapes, and when I'm in the zone, I feel connected to God. Mm. Someone you can get someone you can get random thoughts to help people around you in public other times you can see it in a huge way when you think back on things with people that used to be in your life mm. so only see providence from it, behind it, that's right you see it more as it retreats yeah when i've prayed for others helping me to be more alert empathetic and listen better and to ask the important questions when i forgive when i admit my sins mm. when i realize that someone else's social blunder is much less important than that person's feelings and heartfelt motivations i feel god working through me also nice. through that perspective yeah yeah right i ask God to speak through me when I had to confront my son after I discovered he was full force in an addiction, one of my one of the worst addictions. I could never have done it effectively on my own. Nice. Yeah. Okay, and is that the last one? Hey, everybody that round of applause. Great. And that because doing that lets us sift through because everybody's got a different um, set of love and wisdom. So everyone's going to have different insights into truths such as that God works through you. So there you see, okay, how does, how does that strike everyone? Where do they see God in their lives? And then that lets me round out and say, oh wow, yeah, I'll look for that there. I'll look for that there. So thanks so much everyone for, for participating. Speaking of participating, thank you Dr. Jonathan mm. Rose. Everybody, we are going to be not here next weekend. I mean next Monday. There is a what is it? Is it Memorial Day or Labor Day? Is it Memorial yeah, Day? Memorial Day. Yes. Yeah, so we will, we will not be giving you a show then. However, there are hundreds of back episodes. So go go back farther than you've ever gone. Find a show there that that you haven't seen, and we just like we're broadcasting it live. Thanks so much for sticking with us through the thick and thin. After that, though, we're going to be back, and we're going to be taking a tour of the starry heavens. Yeah, this is mm. Swedenborg's journey out of our solar system to meet people in the universe, and what's their spirituality like, how do they fit into mm. the divine design, what's going on past this planet, even if we make this planet awesome, what else is out there? Thanks so much for hanging, Good. Jonathan Thank Rose. Thank you, Curtis. Everybody, um, if you would like to support our show, please click like and subscribe, and click the bell on subscribe, you'll get a notification when we put stuff out. This whole thing is made possible by the support of people like you. We're a nonprofit. We have to have contributions to keep everything rolling. Consider becoming a patron of our program. This is where you can pay a very small monthly fee and you, then you become part of the fabric of what we do. As a thank you, we give you exclusive behind the scenes, extra video stuff, just saying, hey, we appreciate you making this possible. And the impact for people like Robert and everyone else who's described this show, meaning something to them, only can happen because all of you are giving us the fuel to go and reach out. So thanks everybody. And as I said, we won't see you next week, but we'll see you the Monday after and we'll see you out in outer space. What could be more fun than that? Take it easy. Swedenborg and Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan.